Hello and welcome to this installment of the all new 52 podcast. I'm Joe. And I am Caleb. And today we have Harley Quinn, volume three, kiss, kiss, bang, stab. This was my pick of the week. Uh, like I said at the ending of the last episode, uh, Harley Quinn was one of the first comics I read when I was getting into comics. Yeah. And it's a fun one. If anything, it's fun. I'll well, lead with that. So you have the whole series. Yes. In trade. Why did you start with volume three instead of any of the other volumes? So I picked this one randomly off the shelf when I was choosing. I knew I was going to pick a Harley Quinn one. I didn't know which one I was going to pick. But you, we were getting to the point where I'm much less familiar with uh, Caleb's series of choice than he is with mine. And he already had, kind of had a base understanding. And... I just didn't feel like reading from the beginning. Yeah, I've read some <laughs> of the stuff. I've read the Power Girl stuff, too. Yeah. Um, big fan of that. So I, I kind of knew the direction that they took this character, plus just my familiar history. There was still a lot that I realized I didn't know. Um, it's a very zany series. Yeah, it wasn't quite what I was expecting, not in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course... Yeah, I wasn't, you know, I, I knew she had an apartment complex. I didn't know it was like in New York. And you stuff. know, tenant with all the tenants and whatnot. No, I knew that. Okay. Um, And I think that's a weirdly popular thing in comics. Hawkeye does it. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> he just has an apartment complex that he owns? Yeah, yeah. There's a, another character I'm blanking on. Long shots, clone son, father character. <laughs> that's what he is. His continuity. Shatterstar, that's his oh, name. Oh, him. His yeah. continuity is very messed up. But he he has it, too. Um, but I just, I figured it would be in Gotham. I didn't figure you would get as much, uh, other characters from Gotham in here. No, like, everybody's visiting. Everybody's just jumping in saying, Hey, yeah, yeah which I'm, I'm a fan of. And also so. fittingly, this is, I was going to say fittingly, it's a Christmas episode. It's past Christmas. By the time this comes out, it's a new year's episode. It's a new year's. There, there is a new year's issue in this too. We could also just delay it and put it out Valentine's day. We we're covering all the holidays. This it, issue. it really is a holiday because all the holidays kind of come at once. They do. Like, I'm sure right before this, there was a Halloween issue. Mm-hmm. So like, and I was having that the other day in my D&D campaign where I had a, I had like a spooky house for October. And then I was like, time for the Christmas <laughs> session. And they're like, we're doing another Halloween thing I'm, or holiday thing. I'm like, I kind of don't have a choice. They're all back to back. So, but I think it kind of creates this little fun theme for this trade. So this series was written for the most part. I think the entire way through was good old Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti and a bunch of artists. The art, the artwork changes in this book a lot, uh, but not to its detriment, which I feel like a lot of other books lose a lot when they were, they got shifting artist art going on. Talk about that. So uh, zany character, zany stories happening, lots of dream sequences and also, uh, one-off, just one-off issues that there isn't, there's an overarching storyline, yes, but people don't care about it. It feels, I I don't, it it feels secondary to what's going on. It feels more like a feature instead of, oh no, we don't have, we don't have time for this one artist to do all the issues. We have to keep, Mm -hmm. you know, swapping out our, our different people on our roster. It's fun where you're like, ooh, I get to experience all this new stuff. And, you know, the, the mainline series art is still very, what you would call modern looking house style house style yeah but then you just get you get fun little like the new year's the new year's issue yeah it's a very different it's um, in this and it's in this really cartoony kind of uh 
semi uh, Bruce Tim Paul Dini uh, art style. Mm-hmm. Kind of like that retro fifties looking mm-hmm. feel. Kind of what you get with like a Darwin Cook or yeah, someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this being your not not necessarily introduction, but just in, induction. Haha. Uh, what do you think about it? Uh, so there's a lot going on in every issue. Yeah. And that's the first <laughs> thing that picked me up because I am used to the pace of an issue. This will start at one place and then it will go to B and C and D. Like the last couple issues are a little bit more conventional in their pacing. Um, but that was the first thing that caught me. Reading one issue of this feels like reading three issues of any other comics. But it's still really entertaining. And I like the fact that they're treating it like a cartoon where you can just do anything. Like yeah. it's an episode of Looney Tunes or something. There doesn't need to be consistency in tone. And we don't have to like follow through one storyline if we can use that to get to a better joke. I think comparing it to Looney Tunes is the most accurate description. I never even thought of it. That is such a accurate description of what this is. Where, you know, what you said, as long as we can get to a joke and just the jokes keep hitting. And I think they hit a lot. I forgot how funny some of these jokes were. I can't recall any off the top of my head, unfortunately, but I had a couple, a couple breaths of air was expelled from my body. Yeah. And there are, there are like some short term jokes and just some, um, like, uh, quips. Yeah. Quips and stuff like that. Some violent humor, but then there's also like more long-term jokes. Like one of the things there's a vigilante named the carp and his, <laughs> yeah. his partner C Robin and like that just every time they show up, it keeps getting funnier. So it's able to sustain the long jokes and like keep you entertained with those short jokes in between. Did you have a favorite of the many storylines going on? Well, let's see. So there's the one where she's breaking uh, Ivy out of Arkham. Mm-hmm. Then there is the Christmas one. There's two Christmas ones. I think there's, there's, a, there's the one with the daughter. Yes where she's given to a daughter as As a a gift. gift. (laughs) Um, And then there's the, I don't remember what the other Christmas one. Maybe there wasn't another Christmas one. There's the New Year's one right after that, where she has to go kill Father Time, which is just a random man in an old (laughs) folks home. (laughs) Then there's the Valentine's one, which spans two issues. issues. Yeah. Yeah, and that's her trying to get a date with Bruce Wayne. And then there's, at the end, she's like, uh, there's too much going on in my personal life. I need to get more Harley Quinn. Yeah, okay. and that's a couple issues. Out of all that, I'd say the holiday stuff is definitely the highlight. I think they have the most fun stuff there, um, and I'd probably say the Christmas one. I like the Christmas one a lot. I actually, the New Year's one was the story wasn't so much because it is just a joke of I got to kill Father Time so I don't age anymore. It's just a random dude in an old folks home, but. The art style just really brought me into that one because it is such a shift and it's a much more just it's all a big joke. This issue and yeah. the art style does a better job at reflecting that. Um, I only really fell off, which I don't like this concept when it does become a full thing at the Gang of Harley stuff. I mm-hmm. never really care for the Gang of Harleys. It's a I mean, I don't know how it turns out. It's a cool idea. It's a and... it's it's an idea that I was like, yeah, this can have some jokes. The lead up to it. I like enough. It's just. It's not as it. It's such a tonal shift from everything else that was in the book. There's a million things going on, and then you add in like eight Harleys. Yeah, that's it's. Well, it's it, you, it spreads itself a little too thin. Yeah, yeah, and it just I don't know what I enjoy about this is not her being a superhero, and so the idea that you're bringing in all these superheroes, I'm like, okay, cool, sure, fine, 
but it's it's not going to intrigue me like, oh, no, she broke into someone's house and then fell asleep under the tree. And now the daughter is trying to keep her because she wants to ruin her relationship mm-hmm. with her father, which I love. It's pretty. There's so many like demented, twisted jokes in this, like in the uh, the Valentine's Day specials where they're bidding on to go on a date with Bruce Wayne and Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne and Harley has just robbed a man for the million dollars, but this other lady keeps outbidding her and then and then she just chokes her out so yeah, that she can't keep outbidding her and no one's batting. I mean, people are like, oh, God, but they no one cares at the end. Um, I also like uh, that. This is not afraid to like not go to a more serious place, but just let the character also exist within um a more uh, internalized world than just a joke character. I mean, it has a surprising amount of heart that like mm-hmm. when it, when it, when it hits you, you're like, Oh, I was not expecting this after like the fun filled zaniness that this was. And that's what I think I like about the Christmas episode or the Christmas issue is that it feels like um, it's most integrated into the jokes where she is going to just help out uh, this daughter and the father and reconnect them in their relationship. And then, you know, go off and do some more Harley mm-hmm. Quinn stuff. Um, but that isn't just about every issue. Um, and I really enjoyed that. It kind of made me think, you kind of have this idea now of like hot topic Harley who her things have to be like R rated and she has to be swearing the whole time, but she did start off on a kid's show. Yeah. And like, I can kind of see her as like a really fun kid's character. Um, and the one time she interacts with a kid in this, it's, it's some of the best stuff there. It's one of those things where, the the new Harlequin show had come out and it's it's kind of almost a merge between the two where it's definitely I mean it's R rated through and through but the cartoon just environment lends itself to this interpretation of the character more they just mm-hmm. give a, a lot more edge to it yeah and, and not in a bad way I think uh else so. Is it this is your first time getting introduced to a lot of these supporting characters, isn't it? Yeah. Uh like Tony and um Mason. Yeah, yeah. Edgar. And, he doesn't really do anything yet. Uh Cyborgman. Like I know so, I So yeah, you 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 know who they are by Yeah, like they've they've bounced around, but I haven't ever gotten to know their personalities mm-hmm. before. How do you how do you think they just fit into the world? I know a lot of them don't do much in this one. Tony works as a good like straight man, and I like the I I have no idea what his deal is, but he's he, he's he, very helpful. Yeah, I I it's been a couple of years, so I don't know if stuff changed or anything, but that's he is the straight man to Harley. Uh, the egg was his Edgar. name. Edgar. He's great. I love Edgar's him. great. And part of this is one of the beautiful things about comics is you can kind of choose the voice that you read the character in. And I was just reading him as a very posh egg, <laughs> but he's like, he's just running around and he has all these like different bodies he can wear. I haven't seen season two of the Harley Quinn show yet. Has he shown up in that? No, he hasn't. Man, I don't know why. He's that such show, a fun character. That show I wish, the only thing it's really taken from the comics is Cyborgman and just the more zany attitude. And I mm. wish they would adapt just a little bit more. Because yeah. I do like some of the cast they've made in that show. Like, King Shark was such a funny interpretation of that character. But if Edgar was in the show, man. Yeah, he's the only one I think 
would carry over into the show. Oh, I can well. see a goat man just walking around. That one of the tenants is literally just a goat man. I don't need oh, him. He yeah, can just he be someone one, who's in the background. He was in that's one what, panel. That's yeah. all he does in the comics, though. He's just in the can- the background, and he's a goat man. I've got a question for you. Okay. Um, the beaver was in the Harley Quinn movie, so I knew the beaver existed. Yes. I don't know what's up with the beaver. <laughs> Her beaver friend. It's just it's just a beaver corpse thing. And uh, she thinks it talks. It doesn't. It's 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 a it's a beaver corpse. All right. <laughs> um, she breaks the fourth wall in this, as does the beaver corpse. Uh, how do you feel about that? So people complain about her doing that a lot. Like and maybe that's why I've fallen off on her a little bit more recently, because they it's not so much breaking the fourth wall. She just becomes more self-aware. Mm-hmm. Is, I think what it is. It's fine in this situation where. I can't recall when she did it here, but it's not during like the main stories where it's all of a sudden, Hey kids, I'm about to stab this guy. It's not distracting. Like you, it's for the sake of a joke most of the time. And I think it usually comes at the end of an issue. Mm -hmm. Um, or like to explain something within like the context of the issue where she's like, like the letterer, I was about to say the letterer breaks the fourth wall and puts himself in where he's like, I'm slaving away all day doing this. Stop. And then like at another point, she's like, and this, this has saved you from going on a random tangential subplot. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I, it's fine. I think it works when the beaver does it, when the letterer does it. Harley Quinn though, like I just like her existing within the world. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like she needs to be, I don't feel like meta humor is her strong suit. Um, I don't think it is either. I just doesn't really bother me to the extent that some people have like, I don't know, exasperated. How many of those people are Deadpool fans? I probably a lot of them. Okay. I would think. Okay. I don't know. Deadpool fans ruin everything. (laughs) Uh, I have a Deadpool trade back there. We might get to it someday. (laughs) I also just think this taking place in its own, like it being in New York and also running alongside Suicide Squad and her showing up in Batman, you can tell they're like, this is its own thing. Yeah. I think it being its own thing with its own interpretation of the characters just helps it tremendously. Imagine them trying to fit this into like mainline continuity. Yeah. Where Harley's like talking to her tenants. Yeah, let me go to Gotham real quick. The joke is starting a war over there. Yeah, no, I won't. I won't like that. No. Um, How do you like a good old, and you, you know their relationship more because you've read more. Mm-hmm. How do you like good old Poison Ivy? I like her a lot in this one. Uh, she, this is one of the designs I like. I think I like the most because she usually, she can have some awful designs. Don't or know some what great it, designs. Don't know it's, what it is about it's her. It's a coin it flip. Is, it is a coin flip. It's with because that she is a sexy lady. That's it. <laughs> but it is a huge coin flip on whether uh, she doesn't have much to do in this book. She gets rescued and then she just kind of pops in every now and then to like be there. Really, yeah. but she's fun. I, I really like the. Re- she, she's also a good straight man to Harley. Right? Yeah. I really like their relationship. Um, but I feel like sometimes it can fall in this weird thing where it's like, we don't want it to just be a new window, mm-hmm. but we also, for like editorial reasons or whatever, we're not going to be brave enough to have it be full on their couple. Yeah. Or at least they are, you know, I don't want them. I don't think they should be, you know, exclusive. <laughs> I'm fine with them running around with other people if they need to, but like, you know, um, I feel like this kind of falls into that awkward spot a little bit where it's like, well, this is my girl, pal. Yeah. She calls her her girlfriend at multiple points throughout, but it, you can also take that as 
Yeah. It's my best friend or whatever. I, I think it, it, near the end of this trade, it's it's obvious um, that they are, in fact... A yeah, couple. Yeah, which... Good. But not an exclusive one. Yeah, that just... I mean, she's actively vying for Mason at points. That doesn't work for Harley Quinn. Because no, 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 no. Harley Quinn can't be tied down with anything in this series because she needs to be able to do, like, whatever will make the funniest joke. Ivy does have... One of my favorite jokes in the thing is when Mason's coming up to bring Harley flowers because he's apologizing or something. <laughs> yeah, Don't yeah. know why he's bringing the flowers. But and then Ivy immediately comes and says, oh, my God, we can still save them. <laughs> yeah. I love Poison Ivy. Po- da- down to earth Poison Ivy that this book does and that the show does is my favorite version of Ivy where she's not a villain. Well, and that's the thing. And I think more and more people are realizing that as Poison Ivy does not work as a villain because she's an environmentalist on fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I like it. I like in like, uh, in justice year three, when she's just like, I, I just want to save the plants guys. <laughs> and she just, she's hanging out with swamp thing. Swamp thinks her boyfriend in this and her dream sequence too. Makes sense. Yeah. Swamp thing's hot. Uh, not a good personality on him. So, <laughs> so are there any, were there any things that stuck out as like, just rubbed you the wrong way? I like the um, I like most of the dream sequences and stuff, especially in that first issue where they're all hallucinating. And so you go to the different characters hallucinations. It it can really drag down the pace, though. It got a little hard to follow, especially when they were flipping to like the doctors. I was like, why are these doctors dream sequences involving these characters? I think the issue that hurt the most was when she's trying to date Bruce Wayne. And so she has two dream sequences back to back about different like ways I, that I like go. that issue a lot. And then but yeah. Batman has one. <laughs> now Batman's is funny. I like Batman's. Um, I'd say Harley's is pretty funny where she's imagining marrying Bruce Wayne and then he just wants to have like 36 children or something. It's funny up until the point where she wakes back up and then automatically goes back yeah, to sleep. Yeah. Um, but I, I'd say that is probably the biggest negative is just. I like that there's so much going on, but especially with all the art style changes and all the dream sequences, it can get a little, a little uh, bit of a slog. It's not a page turner by any means where it's like, I got to find out what happens next because it, 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 can, it feels exhausting at some points just because there is so much going on. Yeah. But like those holiday issues, you can just keep, or those first couple you can just keep flipping through because mm-hmm. the jokes are so funny and they keep coming. Um, it's just pacing, man. I think that is its problem because that, yeah, right when it tries to get into its own little story with the gang of Harley starting up, it just, I, it's, I don't know if it's because of, I don't care about the plot, but because like, they're like, okay, this is our plot now for a little bit. I'm just going to tune out and like, mm-hmm. you know, I can, that can happen to any series, but the jokes aren't even enough to hold it up because then there's so much talking going on when it gets to, when it got to the point where they're interviewing all the, all the, uh, potential Harleys, there's some fun flavor text in there for sure. I'm glazing over it at that point though. There is too much. Yeah. Um, I'm used to reading Claremont comics and this did have a lot of words <laughs> even for that. I mean, but... comics are a visual medium. You can use your art to tell some jokes too. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think usually they do that well enough uh, just the balance can sometimes be lost any, any complaints from the harley fan in the room the harley fan not with this iteration this is i think her strongest because right before 
she her hair gets dyed like two volumes after this because it had to uh, coincide with Suicide Squad. That was where Rebirth was. I think the 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 down the hill, not 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 necessarily like a fall, but just a yeah. So is this the last time you really liked Harley? Yeah, in the comics. In the comics was it was just the entire New Fifty Two run. Rebirth was fine, but they started introducing more characters that I just didn't care for. Yeah, and they became part of the jokes and um more multimedia stuff you're still reading harley quinn and the birds of prey right now though how's that i am uh well it's this creative team coming back on too which i love uh and the art lines up with the covers which is even better because i think these covers are really fun but that's also had such a delayed release because of covid i forget what happens in between issues because it's like four months between when they come out that's fair that's fair yeah i you know i like i like the versatility of harley i like that um, she can be a bit more serious character when she's popping up Batman um, and that she can be uh, a bit more of a jokey fun character in here. I, I'll let you finish. Um, I just, I think that a lot of the times when I read her though, it's like people don't quite understand. They think she's an edgy character and she does edgy things, but I think it's mainly, she's a trickster character. Mm-hmm. She's a fun character. She pulls pranks. She doesn't live for the edge. I think this iteration has done a lot to do that, where it's just diluted what she was. Cause you know, longest time Joker's girlfriend, that's her personality. She breaks off. Okay. We got to figure out what her actual personality is now. Oh, now she's insanely popular. So 50 other people are trying to figure out what her personality is now. Yeah. And it just, it creeps, not creeps me out. That's not the right word. It amazes me when she can show up in a Batman book, look like how she does now and still be taken seriously in that world. Now it just doesn't, she doesn't really fit in anymore. I mean, I read an issue uh, with her today and she had a very serious scene, but I appreciated it. And I think it was because that issue was, uh, you know, she was talking about some of her regrets uh, with her time with the Joker and I think it taps into the same stuff here, where this is a person who's trying to become a better person. She's just doing it by doing, you know, usually pretty terrible things. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got a very twisted. She's definitely a ends justify the means. I think there's a consistency of vision uh, that can be, um, but the edgy man, sometimes a little too edgy for me. Yeah. Sometimes people forget she started out in a cartoon, cartoon. for children. Would you want to come back to this at some point? Just um, see where it goes. Maybe, maybe even just hopping in a different point. Yeah, yeah, probably. Um, Did you enjoy your time overall with it to to where you would like potentially see more if it came up? Yeah, yeah. Um, I wouldn't buy it week to week. Yeah. Um, I probably wouldn't collect the trades, but every now and then be like, oh yeah, I enjoy that. And when I want to read something that's funny, because I don't read a lot of funny comics, mm-hmm. um, I would probably this would be one of the first things I go to. This or something that Matt Fraction has done that is explicitly humor, like his Jimmy Olsen series. Those would be the two things I'd seek out. Okay. What do you got for me next week? I need to go get it. I was going to do the whole uh, pizza platter thing again, but... Too much setup. I forgot about it. (laughs) Luckily, I know what it is. Oh, it's in the Ottoman this time. (laughs) You and I have very different ways. Thank Thank God I don't have to do this every episode so I can think of things. Oh, boy. Saga. So we, we've been doing a lot of superhero comics. I thought it was time that we turn to uh, something not superhero related. And I enjoy Saga. 
and I don't know if you will, but I think it's a good. This is such an important series going on right now by Brian K. Vaughn, who is one of the biggest uh, writers in comics. Uh, I think it's a good jumping on point for stuff outside DC or Marvel. Well, with that, thanks for watching this episode. If you made it to the end of it, if you would care to, we would appreciate a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and just reviews, comments, send emails to our email at uh, allnew52podcast at gmail.com. You should send me the password so I can check that email. I've checked it. All right, we're good. <laughs> and by we're good, it's empty. <laughs> no one loves us. Yes, we'll see you in the next episode. Bye.